Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Tribe of Leaders podcast. I'm your host, Emmy Kirshner. On today's show, I have Gina Seminary. She is the founder and lead wealth management advisor of the Seminary Financial Group with clients in 28 different states and the host of the podcast, Not Your 1950s Housewife. She's also a part-time Uber driver to her two kids, Gianna and Dominic. Gina lives her life by being conscious of the people who surround her, and she's always focusing on making a positive impact on everybody that she comes in contact with. I had such an amazing time talking with her, and we spent a lot of time talking about her mission in fulfilling her podcast and really disrupting the thought that one, that there's work-life balance ever, and two, that parenting and your work style have to look like any particular way. She's super focused on you doing you. My name is Emmy Kirshner. I'm a serial entrepreneur and investor. The one thing that I get asked all the time is, how do you achieve success in business and make an impact? In each episode of the Tribe of Leaders podcast, you'll hear from entrepreneurs and visionaries who share how their leadership has changed not only their lives, but the lives of everybody around them. Hey, could you do me a quick favor? Take a screenshot of this podcast episode right now and post it on your Instagram and tag me and anybody else who you think could benefit from it, especially if you've been finding value. I'm so grateful for you listening. Hey, Gina, welcome to the Tribe of Leaders podcast. I am super excited to have you on. And you know, we were talking a little bit before we started recording, and I'll have you introduce yourself, but I am so excited to hear about your journey and how you started your podcast, uh, Not Your 1950s Housewife. So with that, share with everybody who you are, what you do, and the podcast. Oh, thanks, Emmy. So thanks for having me on. Hi, everybody. Um, so yes, I uh, started a podcast last March kind of a bucket list item, one of those things like I kind of think I've always wanted to do this. Mm-hmm. And it came from the idea of I am a single mom. Um, I have a daughter who's 11 and a son who's turning nine in two days. So I am feverishly trying to tie up all the loose ends for the 14 birthday parties. Um, <laughs> but I would be talking with my girlfriends and we'd be having some of these phenomenal conversations just about life or business or husbands or boyfriends or kids. And multiple times in my head, I would stop and go, I think other people would love to hear this. Like either they would have laughed or they would have cried or they would have felt like they belonged, whether they Mm -hmm. did or not. They just would have been like, oh my God, I'm not the only person. And I had said that to a few people. And interestingly enough, I said it to one guy one day because he and I were having a conversation. I just casually said, you know, other people would appreciate this conversation. I said, I think I want to do a podcast. Well, interestingly enough, he had a podcast and he goes, are you serious? I go, maybe yes, maybe no. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know enough about it to know what it would require from a time perspective. And he said, well, I have a podcast and I can kind of help you get started if it's something you want to do. And as soon as I kind of let it sit for a second in my head, I was like, well, why not? And the reason it you know, really excited me is not only because of helping other people listening to it, but... Mm-hmm. In my day job, I am very one way. I am a financial advisor. I run my own business. I work with numbers and people on a regular basis. 
I don't get a lot of, you know, license to be creative. Right. Right. Um, and it's really not about my personal life. It's about them and helping them accomplish their goals. So I am very one way in my, you know, let's say nine to five job, but at the same time, you know, my personality is, you know, I'm very outgoing, you know, I enjoy, you know, laughing really hard with people. I enjoy thinking outside the box. I enjoy chatting with people about the struggles and none of that really comes into my quote unquote day job. So when this idea of the podcast came out, I was like, you know, this could like exercise the other side of my brain. Um, and it's been awesome. It's been a lot of fun. You know, I, I am blessed to have clients in 28 States, so they are now starting to learn about it. So the podcast is like slowly getting out there. Um, Mm -hmm. and I've really enjoyed talking. I mean, and I do talk with really anybody about anything and that's the fun thing about it. You know, I, I am not your 1950s housewife on multiple different levels. Um, right. And I don't think very many of us are anymore. So it kind of appeals to everybody. Yeah, I love it. I mean, the title's great. And being a single mom, and we've talked about this before too, being a single mom, like, and trying to find the flow here of what, you know, what life is going to look like and how do I manage juggling 72 things at the same time without being an absolute crab cake. Like, yep you know, the traditional role doesn't work anymore. So I think it's such a blessing to have those stories shared. And I think too, and and correct me if I'm wrong, but where you said like, you're not the only one. There's so many things that I think women have experienced in the past that haven't been talked about that make us feel very isolated. Yes, I would completely agree. And I think I even feel that pain of guilt one once in a while when I do some of these because I Mm -hmm. feel like I'm maybe I shouldn't be talking about this topic and then like I level set myself very quickly like are you kidding me like go for it girl and and I'll ask the question or we'll talk about a you know maybe an uncomfortable topic but I think there are more people that feel the way that you and I do about certain things whether you are married or divorced or a business owner or not it's just life in general, that makes us feel this way. And I don't think a lot of them are talked about, or at least amongst women. I mean, men talk about it maybe, you know, in the locker room or at the bars or at the office, or it's more accepted for men to talk about it, but um, not so much for women. So that's why I kind of thought it'd be a fun thing to do. I love it. So who are some of your guests? Like what type of stories have been shared so far? Oh my gosh. So I've had, you know, I have had a bunch of female business owners because I do a lot of yoga and meditation and there's a, um, a studio here in Rochester called breathe. And I had the owner of breathe on my podcast two different times, one talking about yoga and the benefits of it. And another time talking about adaptogens, um, which is a fascinating, a fascinating concept. It, I heard about it about a year and a half ago. And I had told her at the time I need to do a podcast on adaptogens. Mm-hmm. Um, and we did that the beginning of this year. I kicked off 2020 with that podcast. Um, I've had my hairdresser who I'm going out with tonight. She and I talked about dating. Um, because I, <laughs> I am divorced. Right. And I was yeah. married for, I was married for 13 years and we were together for four years before that. So from 20 to 37, I didn't have to date. I wasn't dating. I don't. And so then I, you know, come back out and you throw me back out into like this shark tank and I don't know what's going on. And then there's these online dating sites and she has been, she calls it like chronically single, but she's my age as well. She's never been married, never had kids, has dated online, in person, all these other things. And we just talked about dating and the issues and, you know, the struggles and the humor behind it. And, 
um, we actually had a fascinating conversation on, you know, the identity crisis that men might be having right now um, mm-hmm. with women becoming more independent, not only financially, but physically, like I mow my own lawn. And oddly enough, I didn't get a snowplow service, so I shovel my own driveway, right? Like right. I do some of the stereotypical man roles, right. um, which means as a man, it's like, so what am I like? What do, what do I do now? Right. So mm-hmm. we had, a, but I mean, of course she and I were at my kitchen with two bottles of wine. So things got, <laughs> oh yeah, we have fun. Um, I, I just did one a few weeks ago with like, who are your five people, you know, really around the idea of you are who you associate with, which I tell right. my kids on a regular basis, but mm. thinking about it from, you know, an adult perspective or a stay at home mom perspective, or, you know, just looking at it from different people's points of views. Um, I, everything, everything and anything. I went to Kenya last year for my 40th birthday by myself and my girlfriend at the same time was in Ireland. So we did a back to back podcast recording of her trip in Ireland. I interviewed her and then she interviewed me about my African safari. So it's, it's like a mishmash of fun things. Mm -hmm. It sounds like it. It sounds like it. And, and, but they're interesting stories too. And um, I would love to know who your five people are too, because I like, that's one of the things that's so important to me and something I'm surveying about myself, but just like my people, my clients as well, um, because it makes a big difference who you're hanging out with can either propel you forward or hold you back. Right. And I think, and it's funny because, you know, she's married. I'm not. So as we were kind of having this conversation, Mm -hmm. she was like, well, obviously my husband, I'm like, yeah, obviously that makes complete sense. I said, nuts. I mean, like, oddly enough, I am in a very great co-parenting relationship with my ex-husband. We've probably talked 10 times today and it's already three o'clock, right? Like we just, we can. So oddly enough, he's probably still one of my five, not one of my top five. He's not like not number one, but, but like my kids are probably in there. Like some of my colleagues at work are in there. And, mm-hmm. and we got off on a tangent of like for single moms, like who are those people, right? Like, is it the random mom at the daycare like center or, you know, the babysitter that, you know, like it's sometimes you have to, these five people sneak up on you and you would never mm-hmm. have thought that they are in your sphere as much as they are till you stop and be mindful about it. Right, right. Absolutely. And I also talk about having a life team too. So it's all the people that maybe you're not hanging out with on a regular basis, but they're in your life in different support roles. So um, you being a financial advisor would be, you know, somebody that would be on my life team, my accountant. I have a couple of friends that like make sure that I get out and have a social life. Um, yep. so sometimes I forget to plan that part. Yes. You know, I have friends, they're just complete cheerleaders and it shifts and changes and everything else. But having those go-to people for backup are so crucial. I think it's huge. And I think, you know, I lost sight of that when I was a new mommy. And yeah. I, I think it happens a lot. Um, I was trying to keep the balls moving on the business and trying to be, you know, the perfect quote unquote mom. Um, you know, trying to make sure everything was fine at the household. Like there were too many things going on and I had zero social life, which probably, you know, didn't, could have been part of the demise uh, for my marriage, but I just, I wasn't well balanced. I was like a lopsided right, tire. Right. Um, not that, you know, you can find there's ever a perfect balance, but there was no, I had very few friendships. It was either mm-hmm. work or mommy, work or mommy. And there was nothing in the middle. Um, so I think that's vitally important for everybody yeah. really. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I'm going to ask you the million dollar question here. Oh boy. Yeah. Right. So you host your podcast, you are an entrepreneur, you have your own business and you're a single mom with two amazing kids. How do you do it all? (laughs) I single handedly, uh, keep the local red wine distributor (laughs) in business. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, uh, funny, not funny, but yes. I mean, I, um, you know what? I think humor has a lot to do with it. I mean, we, I think when I feel overly stressed, I'm realizing that I'm taking the fun out of everything. And right? if, if it's not fun, don't do it um, to some extent. Um, and if it's something you have to do, work harder to find the fun. I am a big believer that everything happens for a reason. And right. I know that can sound cliche, um, but it gets me through 99.9% of my struggles. Mm-hmm. Uh, I try and find the silver lining. I, um, I do yoga at least two times a week, um, which I actually started after my divorce. Cause I was like, you know what? I need to do something to get this energy out, um, and be more mindful and like, just stop and sit. And I find I have been able to solve more personal struggles and professional struggles and financial struggles in an hour and 15 minutes of yoga. It's, it's the weirdest thing. I can't understand how it happens. All I know Mm -hmm. is it happens. Mm -hmm. Um, so that helps. I had, I mentioned to you earlier, um, I took up meditating last year, which it Mm -hmm. actually is the hardest thing for me. Um, because I just, my mind wanders. I don't understand how people can not ever let their mind wander, which I have now learned, like, just let it go. That's like how it's supposed to be. But, Mm -hmm. um, just trying to separate myself from everything. And I'm this year I'm trying to do 300 days of meditation out of 365. I'm giving myself a grace period of 65 days of, <laughs> oh my God, I forgot to do it. Um, but I don't think there's, there's no magic to it. I just, I try and really find the positive in everything and realize like this weekend I'm completely overbooked, but it's just this weekend. And I have my little mini breakdowns, but they're not, debilitating. Right. Right. Um, I, I do think, you know, like when my friends are like, Hey, do you want to go out tonight? And I'm like, you know, I've got a million things going on, but again, in my mind, everything happens for a reason. Like that's God or, you know, the universe's way of saying, girl, you got a lot on your plate. You need to just laugh and have fun with your friends. Like I, Mm -hmm. this this came your way. Don't say no. Um, granted that means I'm not going to get to watch the recent bachelor, but I got it on Hulu. So I'll circle back around. Um, I mean, I, that's really kind of what I do. I mean, I'm, I'm honest with my kids about things. Um, granted they are nine and 11, but you know, they know that I'm doing the podcast and they know about my business and they know what I do. So it's never like, I feel like I'm hiding things from them or that I mismanaging them. Like there's a note on my Island right now for my son, when he gets off the bus that says, Hey, mommy's upstairs recording a podcast. Shh. I love you. <laughs> right. Um, so, I mean, I think it's just kind of being mindful and authentic about it and not taking life too seriously. Right. No, I totally agree with you. And I love what you said about, and just owning up, like you do have breakdowns. We all have breakdowns, like nothing oh, yeah. <laughs> is perfect. And, and acknowledging both that like in the bad times, everything's temporary. And, um, and I think as women, hang out too, with your girlfriends. well, in women we're supposed like, we are supposed to keep it all together. Although we're like the more emotional, you know, of the two women, women are more emotional. We, 
we have so many feelings, but we're never supposed to share them or talk about them. We're just supposed to have them, which I find so awkward. Um, so that's why, you know, acknowledging the fact that, yeah, I, I have a breakdown. I lose, I lose my temper at my kids, just like the best of them. Um, but I will also be the first person to apologize, which I have actually learned teaches them, right? Like, you know, how to say, I'm sorry, how to realize when you did something wrong, like that time between like, Mm -hmm. I yelled at you and it only took me three minutes to realize I was in the wrong. Um, so like, I'm, I'm oddly enough, I'm always teaching them subliminally through my mistakes, which is also good too, because I know my daughter yells at me all the time, but I want her to realize like to come back and she's gotten better. She came over last night after she gave me some lip. And I just kind of looked at her and she came back. She's like, all right, I'm sorry. I was like, all right. That was only like two minutes. I'm like, you are so on the up curve. (laughs) I found because that's, you know, as we've said before, um, our approach to parenting is pretty similar. And with my kids, like, yeah, I've had like head spinning moments that I'm so not proud of, but I always came back and apologized and shared. And we would talk about what was really happening And it's really cool to see my kids as they have become young adults now mirror that back. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't give them. I I think, oh, that's okay. Um, I just say, I think it doesn't give them permission to yell more either. It's more in they are able to identify how they're truly feeling and verbalize it more quickly. So there's actually less breakdown. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that, is evolving in parenting. Like as I was yeah. being raised, I mean, we were not talking about my feelings I, that no one really, I mean, no offense, no one really cared. <laughs> I mean, right? no, no one really asked about how I felt about anything. Cause it was like somewhat of a dictatorship and it was like, it's my house and this is how I feel. And this is what we're going to do. And I remember being like, Oh, okay. Right. But that was just yeah. generationally how it was done. Um, so, I mean, it, it is, you know, I will, I love my son. He is I love them both, but he is the more sensitive of the two and the two of them will get off the bus and they get off at the same time. And, you know, I'm kind of anal, but it's like empty your backpack and, you know, hang it on the hook and put up your coat and put your lunch bag on the counter, right. And start doing your homework, right. Kind of simple stuff. My daughter will come in. She will keep her coat on for an insane amount of time. I'm talking like half hour, 45 minutes. (laughs) The backpack will be on the floor in the kitchen. Her lunch will still be in her backpack and she will be like upstairs in her room trying to figure out what she's going to do later. My son will walk in. He will do all of that as said. And the first thing out of his mouth will be, mommy, how was your day? And Mm -hmm. I'm like, and I hug him and I go, I love you. I'm like, it was a hot (laughs) mess. How was your day? They're just so different, but like talking about your feelings and, and I'm like, how did it, you know, like, and I find myself saying that all the time. How did it make you feel? Right. Like, but you gotta, you know, balancing it, but yeah, I think mm-hmm. it's am great. How has your approach to parenting informed how you've grown your business? Ooh. Yeah. My approach to parenting impacting my business. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, with my clients, I I work with clients that range in age from 21 to 75. Mm -hmm. Um, And when I'm talking with clients about their goals, I I actually, it's interesting now that you spun it that way. um, They might say that they're trying to accomplish a goal or they do X, Y, and Z. Um, And I will very frequently ask, how does that make you feel? Right. Like, 
and, and not putting two and two together, but now that is actually something I say on the regular, right? If, if you want to, you know, retire at 65, I will spin it and say, well, if you couldn't, how would that make you feel? Or if you could, how would that make you feel? Um, kind of associating a feeling with a goal to make mm-hmm. them buy in a little bit more. Um, so I guess I do it subliminally, but don't even stop to think like the transferable <laughs> skill that I'm doing. <laughs> Yeah. Right. But that's huge. Oh yeah. I mean, I feelings, think... are, feelings are what motivate us, whether it's parenting kids or trying to motivate people to save or invest or be smarter with their money. It's everybody's emotional at some level and that's right. what's motivating them. And you know, whether you're an emotional spender or an emotional saver or whatever you are, or if you're just an emotional 11 year old, um, I think trying to navigate that is really where the success comes in is trying to figure mm-hmm. out how their emotions are going to motivate them either positively or negatively, honestly. Absolutely. And who's thinking about that? Like when you retire, how does that make you feel? Yeah. No one does until they're there. No. And then they realize they yeah. feel great or they feel like crap because they can't. Right. Um, Cause they didn't think about what they really wanted. Well, and that's why I love my podcast and my business because, you know, most people think financial advisors are strictly focused on the money and the bottom line. And, and at the end of the day, we are. But if you can't motivate people to change the habits that they've created after 20, 30, 40, or 50 years, you're never going to get them to be able to accomplish the goal anyway because they're going to stop halfway because they're going to change their mind or they're going to have a different feeling. Mm-hmm. So um, when I work with my clients, a lot of times it's, you know, I always say it's it's almost like a financial therapy because people have some emotional something tied to money, whether it's because of the way that their parents taught them or things that they've learned or some certain way that they're feeling, which is either an aversion to it or something that's motivating them to do it. And if you can harness that and control that emotion, then you're going to, then I can then do my job to get you to where you need to be. Um, so I, I do love, and I tell people all the time, like I work really well with my clients when I help them realize that. And when I can right. figure out what makes them tick, not from a, you know, a financial perspective, but from an emotional like behavioral mm-hmm. science type of stuff, mm-hmm. then then we're a force to be reckoned with because now I understand how you're thinking and what's going to motivate you. And I can use that and help you a- accomplish what you want. Wow. Yep. <clears throat> Excuse me. I love that. Do you think that's what makes you stand out as a financial advisor? Yeah. But interestingly enough, I'm not cognizant of it until you're making me talk about it. I think it just is who I am as a person. Right. Um, or maybe it's because I'm a female. I, I don't know. I, I, I haven't been able to figure that part out yet. Um, I do think it has something to do with my success. I just don't know where it came from, honestly. Um, I think a lot of it has to do with my past. Like, I am fascinated by, like, neuroscience. I, I so love I. that stuff. If I could have been smarter in, like, the book side and, you know, standardized tests – I think I would have done, I am fascinated by that, why people do what they do, what the brain does, how things work. Um, so I, I kind of take a little of that. I, I, I take a little bit of what I love and I throw it into what I do professionally, um, okay. which I don't think historically my industry does. <laughs> no, I think it's very formulaic and, and I've met, I mean, a number of financial advisors. I love mine who plan and forecast totally differently, but as a whole, it feels very dry and stiff and, and not fun. Well, like, yeah, 
if I'm planning for long-term savings, whether it was you know college planning or retirement planning or anything else, like I want to feel really good about it. Yeah, my my clients are some of my best friends. I mean, because we're talking regularly, and they trust me. They, I mean, I will literally be like, I do not think you should be doing that. But if it's something you want to do, we'll do it. And I tell people all the time, this topic in and of itself, most people have an aversion to. They don't want to talk about it either because I'm shining, you know, a mirror right in their face with what they've been doing. You know, I'm I'm causing them to no longer stick their head in the sand. It's it it is a very emotional conversation nine times out of ten. But that's mm-hmm. why I try and make it fun. You know, I don't want them to think like this is a root canal. And if the, the most successful way to do this is to have a long-term working relationship with someone. So when my name pops up on their phone, I don't want them to be like, oh my gosh, it's Gina, right? Like I want them to be like, hey girl, what's up, right? And that's, right. we need to be in this together. And when I feel that for my clients and I think they feel it from me, it's like a perfect relationship mm-hmm. and, and we're really successful at what we're doing together. I want that, like it is a together thing because I now heard all, I'm also extremely empathetic and, you know, I now heard all your goals. So they're kind of like, mine too. And I, I don't want to let myself down, which in turn is letting you down. So like we're in it to win it. Like, let's go. Right. And if I don't feel like they're bought in, then I know that I won't be as successful in helping them. So it's, it, it's a very interesting relationship, but making it fun is important. I mean, like mm-hmm. I get Christmas cards, I send them birth, like you just got to, and then that's, again, if it's not fun, don't do it. Right. Like that's one of my mantras. <laughs> It's so sad because I kind of, sometimes I want to like look at the lawn and be like, you're not fun. I'm not doing it. But then I'm like, I'll make you fun and I'll do it with a glass of wine and some, some music on. <laughs> exactly. I used to say that. I'm like, you know, like cleaning the toilet, there's not anything fun about it. So how can we make it more interesting mm-hmm. and, and joyous? And I'm like, well, if I focus on like the bathroom smells really clean and happy, then that's a good thing. Right. It's shiny. <laughs> yeah. And I think that mindset flip is so important in anything. I agree. I'm trying to teach my kids that, um, you know, I, and I, I know your, your boys are older, but I'm sure you can remember like, you know, last Sunday they take ski skiing lessons or not last Saturday and it was raining, but there was enough Mm -hmm. snow on the mountain for them to ski. So ski classes were still on. And I was like, Hey guys, I'm like, we've got skiing today. And they're like, it's raining. I'm not going. I'm like, what do you mean? You're not going right. Like, I feel like with kids, we (laughs) don't even realize how really good we get at helping them find the silver lining, helping them find the positive in things. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was like, well, look at it this way. When you're at the top of the hill, it must be snowing. So that'll be absolutely cool because it'll be snowing at the top, sleeting at the middle and raining at the bottom. Yay. (laughs) Right. Like, and they kind of like look at me and I'm like, I thought that was great. I'm like, come on, give me some bonus points here. (laughs) and did they enjoy the, the snow, sleet, rain uh, transition? No, they were miserable. And their <laughs> stuff was soaking wet. It was, I was so grumpy. I was like, this is like, personally, I was having a complete grumpy moment. Cause I was like, this is freaking ridiculous right now. Like whose idea was this? I honestly, I was with them because I looked at the rain. It was poor. It was like, it was not sprinkling. It was pouring. Oh God. I even called them out and I was like, Hi. And she's like, I know it's raining. I'm like, yeah. She's like, we're still on. It's snowing at the top of the mountain. And I was like, that's kind of cool. But they were they were drenched rats in snow gear. It was so it's heavy. <laughs> it was ridiculous. It was ridiculous. But listen, you know, and and I guess what I'm still struggling with is do I share with them like I don't want to go either, right? Like 
I don't want to take you there. I don't like your, your clothes are going to be soaking wet. Like it's going to be horrible. Yeah. But here's the cool, like, so I didn't share that with them. I was like, yay. I was very sunshine and rainbows, but inside I was like, this is ridiculous. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I've always, not always, a lot of times, particularly as they were a little bit older than your kids are now. Um, I'm like, yeah, I don't want to do this either, but we made a commitment to it. And that's about being in integrity. Yep. Yep. So, yeah. yeah. I want to circle back um, just quickly to your um, advising clients and everything. And do you see like a difference in um, how men and women approach their money? Yes. Yes. Um, and interestingly enough for me, I meet with many married couples separately because of that. Okay. Um, I think with women wanting to get more involved in their finances, mm-hmm. um, even if they're married or especially if it's like a second marriage or a second long-term relationship, um, they're having me meet with them separately. Um, women are again, we're, they're more emotionally bought into things. So, you know, when you want to retire or you want to send your kids to school, um, they will take it personally if it doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. Right. Whereas men will be like, well, it was the market, you know, like they'll, women will, it's, it's my fault. It didn't happen for a female, for a guy, many times, not all of the time, but many times it was because something else didn't work that didn't allow that to happen. Okay. So my investment strategy, the return, the market, the president, you know, gas price, like, it, whereas women will be like, oh my God, I did. And, and many times I'm talking to the women, like it had, it had nothing to do with you, right? Like this is, it actually was the market, the president, the gas, the oil, like it was that stuff. You mm-hmm. did what you needed to do. Whereas it's, it's the complete opposite, um, with men and women, which sometimes makes it really difficult to plan with both of them together. Um, I would think. Uh, yeah. I mean, and again, it more and more and more when I'm meeting with couples and we're going through that initial chat, I will casually float past them that, you know, if you'd like to have this conversation separate and, and many times too, they're having separate buckets of money, right? Like we've got the joint house account, mm-hmm. but aside from that, um, they keep things separate. Well, if that's the case, then we're kind of really planning separately, except for paying the mortgage and maybe the groceries. Um, right. So I might start together and then like kind of let them decide if they want to continue together. Um, You know, I hear more women going, my money's my money, right? Like I worked really hard and I came into this relationship with, you know, a 401k and no student loans and he's not the same. So, you know, as much as I love him, I don't want to plan with him. Um, So I think it's, it's been this shift again, back to, you know, kind of my theory that maybe, you know, there's an identity crisis with, you know, maybe some men of kind of like, how do I fit in this picture? If I'm not supporting you financially, right. And you can cook and you can mow and you can shovel and, you know, you can take your vehicle to go get an oil change and an inspect. Like if you can do all of these things, like where do I fit in this puzzle? Like what's my, not my purpose, but in some regard, what's, why am I here? What do you need? Right. How can I help you? Um, but I think it's it's showing up a little bit more in that in the financial area of things too. Yes. Very yeah. interesting. Oh yeah. Do you ever find like that they end up building separate plans, but oh, that yeah. their plans are almost identical, or is it just that they're kind of doing their own thing? 
Um, when they do separate plans, they men are more black and white, but they right. might still be trying. You know, they might be accomplishing. They might both want to retire at sixty-five, but his methodology and uh, communication around it is very black and white. Um, so I, they're not drastically different, but how they go about it is different. How, how they mm-hmm. frame it in their mind is different. What motivates them is different. Um, which is why I really do love planning, you know, doing it separately. You know, a lot of my clients are female and and this is an interesting other note to make that even with married couples now, I'm having more women taking the lead. I think that's so awesome. I'll get introduced to her. I'll mm-hmm. call her, introduce myself to her. And she'll be like, well, you know, this is perfect. My husband and I were just looking for someone. And, and, you know, I know to say, you know, well, should he be on the call? And it's been great. Cause she's like, no, I'm the one taking charge. You just need to talk to me. I was like, all right, let's do this. <laughs> right. Right. Which didn't always be the case. I was not always the case. I've been doing this for 16 years. So that's been shifting too, where women are going, no, I'll take the lead. I got this right. Like, so it's, it's been, I've enjoyed it. It's, it's been great to kind of see all these shifts. Yeah. I think that's really awesome because I know a lot of times in the past women haven't taken ownership of their money. Oh, they are now. Good. They definitely are now. Awesome. Yep. You know, Gina, it has been so much fun to have you here. I really have enjoyed our conversation. Share with everybody where people could connect with you. Yes. So. I have an aversion to Facebook, so that is not it. Okay. <laughs> um, Instagram is my main place, and I have a you know subpar Twitter page, um, mm-hmm. but Instagram is my name, Gina Seminary, um, and then I also have my own website, GinaSeminary.com. Awesome, and we'll hook everybody up with the links for that. Perfect. Yeah. So thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. This has been so much fun. I've enjoyed chatting with you. Yes, yes, me too. And thank you for listening in and and tuning in. I can't tell you how honored I am to have you be a part of my tribe. So until next week, we will see you later. As an entrepreneur, do you ever feel isolated, like you're just grinding away and not getting to the place or reaching the goals that you want? Maybe you've realized that you just spent days, weeks, or even months trying to accomplish something only to figure out that the answer that you have would have saved you all of that time. I know I've had that experience and my clients have as well. And that's why I created the Tribe of Leaders Biz School. Get the accountability, the training, and the knowledge base in a community of like-minded people who are there to support you. Go ahead and check it out. It's thetribeofleaders.com.